and welcome to The Updraft, a podcast designed for women age 45 plus by women age 45 plus. We talk about unique opportunities, frustrations, challenges, triumphs, and wisdom that come with aging. The areas we include are health and wellness, self-care, relationships, career and entrepreneurship, financial and legal, and leaving a legacy. The Updraft is part of the Take Flight, host of live events for women like us as we intentionally create our best phase of life. I'm Lisa Randolph, your host, and I'm extremely excited to have you here with us today on our 10th episode. Wow. In our 10th episode, we have a wonderful sponsor. Our sponsor today is the Coalition for Aging LGBT. And they're working to improve and protect the quality of life of older LGBTQ adults across North Texas's four largest counties. The work of the Coalition for Aging LGBT includes coordination and collaborations for health, housing, advocacy, financial security, and social services for more than 200,000 seniors. For more information or to volunteer, email the coalition at contact at cfa.lgbt or visit www.cfa.lgbt. Thank you so much for that sponsorship. And uh, today we're going to talk about a very uh, important issue. And that is the issue of our aging sisters um, who are in the LGBT community. And there is a dilemma uh, within uh, that particular demographic. A lot of the women are out of the closet, but as they age, they go back into the closet. And so we're going to talk about that today and to, um, to kind of walk us through what goes on is Ms. Carolyn Roney, who's my guest, and she's the founding board member for the Coalition for the Aging LGBT Community. And she's retired from uh, being in the senior living industry. She's also a big, big, big executive in the HR professional, uh, or she's retired. So she has a lot, of, uh, a lot of experience in this industry and she has a lot to share with us on the challenges that come along with aging in the gay community, um, as opposed to the general population, and especially when it comes to women. And uh, how, how can the transition be a little bit smoother and what resources and support are out there? So with, uh, with that said, we're going to dive in and I'm going to welcome Ms. Carolyn Roney to the show. Welcome to the Updraft, lady, how are you? I'm wonderful, and I'm so excited to be on this um, podcast and learning about what you do as well and being able to share some of the things about uh, aging in the senior LGBT women's community. Yes, well, we're excited to have you because, you know, uh, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but, you know, we're all women that are aging, uh, you know, those of us 45 and over, um, but I think that this particular um, group or subgroup has uh, a little bit more of a barrier um, to face uh, that comes along with aging. So I'm glad that we have you here with us today, Carolyn. And uh, you and I have done some volunteer work together <laughs> eons back in the community. So it's good to see you again. <laughs> so I think that was, oh, oh Lord, we're aging ourselves. That was definitely uh, close to 30 years ago. 
I mean, we believe, can you believe that we've known each other for that long wow. and keep running across each other in various projects? It's wonderful. I know. I love it. I love it. So it's good to, to be in your presence again, lady. So, well, I'm going to let you, um, without, uh, without going back down memory lane too much further, because we'd be here forever, um, I'm going to let you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a big advocate for the LGBT senior community. I'm going to turn it over to you. Great, Lisa. Thanks a lot. Um, I kind of want to start with a little bit I think I've been an advocate all my life. I mean, my career started as a educator in um, teaching school and I loved working with the children. Um, then I moved into the human resource profession after I got out of education and worked in corporate America. And as I worked in HR, I realized that there were very marginalized communities, whether it was in business or in life or wherever it is, um, it seems like the same people tend to be marginalized. And it just brought out that advocacy part in me that I wanted to do what I could to make a difference, whether it was in education, corporate America, um, volunteer, um, that sort of thing. Got involved in the LGBT community when I finally decided to come out a little bit late in life, but um, came out and uh, got actively involved here in the Dallas community, started out at OLCS. That'll age both of us, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> there we go. Oh, um, my gosh. But what I realized, I had aging parents as well, and I ended up being their caregiver, both for my mother who got sick first and passed away, and then my father. And so as that started, it made me have a huge interest in seniors and what was going on in the senior community. And then um, I met or I ran into a friend that I'm sure you know, Donetta Miller, who was working to get the Coalition for Aging uh, organization up and running with Cannon Flowers. And I thought, wow, what a great marriage for me because I was so interested in seniors as a result of being with my parents and then for the LGBT community. And I thought, what an amazing place for me to spend some quality time as a senior, volunteering again and being an advocate. So that's my entrance into the Coalition for Aging LGBT. And um, since then, I've just been amazed at the support we've gotten um, from various industries on what we're doing because nobody else is is really tackling this issue um, wow. you know the gay community tends to like its youth and works with the youth um, but they haven't really embraced the aging community so we've been out there kind of as a pioneer and it's kind of fun um, you and I pioneered a lot of things blazing in our lives <laughs> blazing the trails <laughs> blazing those trails out there um, but it, it really is an issue that once it's brought up, people go, oh, you're right. You know, there are things that need to be addressed. So right. I've been um, very excited about the response we're getting. Uh, and yet people are so unaware that there are issues that face this, this group and, and in particular the women in this group. So I'm excited to be able to kind of bring that to light. And so within this space, we try to provide... Um, you know, opportunities for the women to support each other and also to come and learn from each other. And uh, 
and we realize that there are uh, things that we all have in common, you know, <laughs> no matter no matter our race, our religion, uh, we need to learn how to respect each other. We need to, to respect those differences. Um, I think we're all in a space where, uh, frankly, society has not made us go very relevant as we age, uh, as women, um, and also even in the uh, LGBT community. And so they, they tell us something different. And I think that's why I wanted to really shine a light on, on this topic today is because there, there is a lot of similarity, but within the, um, within the group of women aging, you know, 45 plus, we do have that subgroup and, and I want us all to learn how to respect each other. And gay women do go through different things than uh, heterosexual women, especially as we age. And so to me, there's something deeper that we can dive into with this subject, which is why I wanted to have you. So uh, when it comes to aging as a woman, uh, there again, don't feel relevant, but what are the things that you all are doing to help women who are in the LGBT community to not feel like they have to go back in the closet as they age or don't feel as isolated um, because it's my understanding that that happens a lot. And so what, what is it? Can you talk to us about that, why it happens and what the coalition for aging LGBT is doing to address that issue? Absolutely. Um, the unique women in the LGBT community really don't want to be any different than anybody else. Just like all of us women, we, we have our same issues. Um, and we, we want the we same things. Flashes, the old weekend, everything. <laughs> exactly. So it's no different in life for us. Although there is one other layer that we end up dealing with. And that's that um, a lot of us are still coming from a generation where being out and LGBT was not really accepted amongst the family unit or society. And so our aging senior women right now feel very threatened still because they came out of a culture that was um, making them feel not relevant and making them feel less than and um, so they isolated even in their relationships, even in their friendships. Typically, um, lesbian women have small circles of friends that are their uh, really good friends. And um, they don't go out as often, even in life before they start into this aging process. So before we even get to 45, 50, we've already uh, limited our social circle in a lot of instances. And then as we get older, our social circles start limiting themselves because people move away. Um, they um, leave us and, and go to heaven. And so as we start getting older, we find a lot of our LGBT women single and not having a way to have any social interaction. Um, they end up isolating themselves in their homes. Um, they, if they do, do decide to go into a, an assisted living or an independent living, some community um, type of residence, they're oftentimes fearful and end up going back in the closet because they're afraid they won't get good care or they're afraid that the demographic that they're living with doesn't accept them 
um, just as their parents didn't or society didn't as they were growing up. And so oftentimes um, individuals that end up needing some kind of assistance and moving into one of these communities uh, end up having to go back in the closet and not be themselves. So they're spending the, the twilight years of their lives once again, not being able to be who they are. And we've even seen incidences of where partners are still alive and they're not living there and they're not welcome within the communities. And they're afraid to say that this is their partner, so they become a friend again. And you know wow. that's not what we want. Um, so that's what kind of makes the, the other layer is that there is, is this still a stigma attached, especially with the aging community of not being able to come out and be themselves in, in a um, environment that's still unacceptable for them. My goodness. So that just has to be painful to say that you're with someone for, you know, 25, 30 years, you end up in a retirement community and you have to revert back to that person just being your friend because you're afraid of what people in the retirement community, you know, be it the other uh, residents or I'm sure even the staff, you know, right. might say or, or the actions they might take against you. So um, I, I see how that it definitely does, does provide a whole different layer of, of stress and, and, and uncertainty and, uh, and that feeling of isolation that you were talking about. Um, now, I know that you all with the coalition, you work with a lot of the communities, the retirement communities and assisted living communities to make sure that they are uh, accepting or, or starting to understand that there are a few differences in how uh, women or people in the LGBT community feel as they enter these communities. So can you talk a little bit about some of the, the initiatives or the work that you're doing? Uh, to make sure that, that people in the community feel comfortable once they retire. Yes. Um, when we originally started this organization, we wanted it to be an organization of um, people that let us know what they needed. We, we didn't have all the answers. So we had a couple of summits mm -hmm. uh, back, and that's where I um, saw you at one of our summits, Lisa. And uh, what we were doing was... The very first one was very good. Yes. So what we wanted to do was find out what it was that they, that LGBT aging seniors wanted and what was important to them. And what our research showed from the summits and other research that we did, also working with SAGE, which is a national organization for the aging, um, we found that the number one and two issues were um, housing. What am I going to do for housing as I get older if I can't live in my own home? And secondly, social isolation. So those two issues rose to the top of our priority list in terms of our mission. Um, the third one is, am I gonna get good health care, which we're working on as well. But what we've done is um, we took the first initiative, which was housing, because it was the number one concern of aging LGBT seniors and um, developed what we call the LGBT Friendly Housing Guide. And we spent a lot of time sorting this out because we wanted to go into communities and find out uh, first, 
what was their level of understanding about LGBT issues and whether they were open to it. Uh, but not mm -hmm. only with the staff, but with the, the residents that lived there. Mm -hmm. sure. So we developed a program that we gave them an initial assessment and told, told these communities that we, we weren't judging. We just wanted to see what the baseline was of where they were. Mm -hmm. And then we worked with them to help them understand how to develop an organization that would show and be, um, be able to let LGBT individuals know that they were open and ready and willing to have them. Um, for instance, we created uh, LGBT friendly policies within their organizations where uh, their gender identity was not just male and female. And we um, talked about uh, how you could demonstrate to somebody coming in the door that maybe was afraid to be open with you, that you, you were welcoming to them, whether it was the policies or uh, programs that you had within your communities. We um, went in and showed them different programming that they could do that would include LGBT individuals or take them to the Turtle Creek Corral. You know, mm -hmm. what a great uh, opportunity for, anybody to go hear something and and then realize what you know what an amazing organization this was um we went in and actually trained the residents on lgbt issues and we did that very gen uh gently i call it yeah <laughs> uh, we, that's how that worked. Uh, we showed a movie if if you all remember the um greatest marigold hotel that mm -hmm. movie was about uh, seniors going to India to find out what they wanted to do with the rest of their life in their twilight years. And one of the individuals in that movie was gay. And so we used mm -hmm. that movie as a baseline to show the movie, which was extremely entertaining, and then talk about the different individuals. And it was really eye-opening and rewarding to see these residents that are 70, 80 years old that come from a generation of not understanding LGBT issues to open up and go, wow, we're all the same. We're all the same. We all wow. need the same thing. So the housing guide gave us an opportunity to do that and to make a difference. And we actually certified 17 communities in the four counties that we serve that now have met the standards of our um, being called LGBT friendly and um, publish the guide so that people would know if they need to do mm -hmm. to go into one of these residents that here are 17 places that they could go and know that they would be welcome. Wow, that's incredible, 17 places. So that just shows you that, you know, it, it really is all about, um, first of all, you did not try to create separate communities. I mean, I'm sure that there is a need for that as well but you decided to go into what was already there and integrate, you know, and, and that's what the world is like. We all need to be integrated. And along the way, you also found that a lot of the general uh, facilities were more than willing to embrace or to learn about how to, to work with the LGBT community, which I think that's a beautiful thing, you know? You said two things that are really important. First, we, we did not get a great deal of pushback when we would go into the communities. They say, well, yes, you know, we're open, we're friendly, but what they didn't realize is that they were not behaviorally demonstrating that. I mean, they were saying it, 
Mm-hmm. But what made made that true? You know, what would make me believe that other than you're just saying it? <laughs> so uh, we really right. worked hard. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, giving giving the examples of how they could do that, so that they so that if I walked into a community. Um, that I would know immediately that I was not afraid to disclose that I was gay from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Because what typically was happening is people wouldn't disclose it, so therefore they couldn't, they, they, they were unable to even be themselves uh, because they were afraid to disclose it. That's interesting. So how did you guys go about doing that? You said that there were little things that you did that the different communities could say, hey, we're, uh, we're, friendly with the LGBT community or accepting, what were some of the little uh, subtleties or the, the, you know, that somebody uh, that were gay, they could go in and say, I know that this uh, facility is gay friendly. Were there flags you put around or what did you do? Yeah, the first thing we did was, was revise a lot of the forms. So the language in the forms was very open and inclusive uh, because you have to fill out a ton of forms when you go into one of these communities. But secondly, we started like I said, with the programming and on in every community, they have a letter or a newsletter or the programs for the week or the activities for the week. So we got them Mm -hmm. to put um, just a simple rainbow flag on different activities that were LGBT friendly. So if I picked up that pamphlet or that weekly newsletter that said, here's the activities, at least one activity during the week would be LGBT friendly and it would have the rainbow flag. So if I looked at it, I'd go in, okay, you know, they got it. <laughs> I know what that flag is. Exactly. It's, it's like the golden arch where it's like, <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so uh, that was one, one big thing. A lot of our communities embraced it so much that they decided to put, um, a rainbow flag in the windows of their community so that just walking in, you knew uh, before you ever even got to the forums or the, the um, newsletter or whatever. But uh, many of them put in programming wow. and, and it's recognizable programming, whether it's going to the, mm-hmm. the resource center or to Turtle Creek Corral or the women's mm-hmm. chorus. So that, you know, they put those activities right in the, the brochure. I love that. I love that. And, and especially the, uh, the flag being displayed before somebody even walks through the door. You know, I think that that right there just kind of calms you. And you know that you're going to be accepted before you even walk through the door. There's something about that, that, that kind of gives peace of mind. So, you know, I love that, that uh, you have all of these subtleties that will make somebody feel like they're at home and they're not going to be isolated. So, it sounds like you guys yeah. have done an incredible job with it. The other thing we worked on really hard, Lisa, was, um, you know, in all of their programming and pictures and things, we wanted them to have at least one picture, if not more, of diverse couples. Uh, so we we worked mm-hmm. not only on the LGBT issue, but the diversity issue of don't have just one type of couple in your pamphlets that you send out to everybody, have an LGBT couple, um, have a multiracial couple um, mm-hmm. so that people mm-hmm. realize that, that you are looking at these issues and open to them. Wow. I, I love that. I'm, I'm taking some extensive notes here because everything you're talking about is just golden, you know, and <laughs> You know, we put those definitely uh, in our show notes um, 
uh, as far as on the podcast because I mean these are just little things that you can do to make somebody feel welcome right and and that's what it's about everybody wants to be accepted everybody wants to feel welcome yeah the the other thing that's come up um, that I would love to share is that a lot of us you know we worked really hard to be accepted and included in the world so you talked about building or creating LGBT um, housing by itself. The feedback we got from our community is, no, we worked all our lives to to not, you know, have to be in a place where it's just LGBT. We want to be just like everybody else. So let's find out how we can love each other together, which is what I love about your mission and where you are is, um, we, we just want to be together with everybody else and learn to love and accept our differences and, and, and enjoy that and embrace that. So that's what we're trying to do rather than really focus on building a community there. I mean, it's great. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, you know, everybody is different in what they want, but what we really, our feedback from our constituency was we want to be where everybody else is. Man, I love that. So were you guys surprised that that was the feedback that came back? Did you think people would want their own separate communities or? Yes. Like a whoa. I mean, we, we had to kind of do a little bit of double take and flexibility because we were really looking at building a housing community. You're trying and to build a we rainbow went, sun oh. city or something like that. <laughs> exactly. So we, we took a step back. But what's even more that our research shows, and I know I'm jabbering here, but a lot oh, of us I love it. A love. A lot of us would love to stay in our own home versus actually moving into a community, you know. And that's no different across the board with anybody. Seniors would prefer to age at home, so we are working yes. on right now doing the same thing with hospice and home health communities that we did with the assisted living, independent living communities to to get in there and really work with them, so that if you want to age at home that you have Mm -hmm. some security there as well, that these people coming into your home are going to be open, accepting and understand your unique issues. Oh, wow. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear you say that Carolyn, because um, you know, so many of our listeners are home health care professionals and Mm -hmm. they own home health care companies and, and they need to realize, um, that if they are going to work with uh, somebody in the LGBT community or a woman, you know, uh, that is in the community, that there might be some uh, different needs, you know, than them being in the, the general population. So I'm glad to hear that you all are uh, making that one of your top initiatives right now. So um, what are you going to be rolling out around that issue? Are there any uh, books? Are you guys going to be doing workshops or uh, what would you recommend to somebody in that industry? Where would they start now to learn how to work with people in the gay community? If, if anybody is interested in being part of the initiative, I would love to, to hear from you. You can go out on our website and let us know at www.cfa.lgbt. Uh, we do have a button there that says, you know, if you're interested, uh, let us know. Contact me personally. Um, I would love to talk to you. We have a housing committee that is working very hard right now. They're, they're um, 
getting together and starting to identify organizations that would be mm -hmm. interested in working with us. And, and then what we're doing is okay. doing the, the same thing we did at, with the summit is getting feedback about what they need. What is it that you need to know about this particular community that would help you be a, mm -hmm. a better caregiver as you, as you work with us? And uh, getting their feedback and putting it into training programs for them. I love that. So it's almost like you're putting together a focus group for people who are in the health or home care profession that might be interested in partnering with you. You want to get their Absolutely. input? Is that what I'm hearing? Or? No, uh, that's a good way to put it. We, we've got a lot of feedback from um, because of our previous publication, uh, but we're working very hard to identify organizations right now that we can go in and work with and help help us make sure we're, we're doing the right thing and mm -hmm. um, give them the feedback that we have and, and know that, that it will help them be better care, caregivers um, going forward. I love that. And uh, we'll, there again, make sure we put all of that in the show notes. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of people reach out to you uh, pertaining to the home, yeah. home health care. Uh, what else are you guys working on over there? What else uh, do you think that our listeners need to know about that uh, you working on personally or the uh, coalition uh, for the aging LGBT, uh, the workshop services that are coming out? Well, the next other issue that we have in this community, and I don't think it's different really in any community, but social isolation is huge for seniors. They begin to, you know, I, I talked about it in my opening that we start limiting our circle of friends and where we go and what we do. So we have a very active, what we call social engagement committee in all four mm -hmm. counties. And uh, actually Tarrant County is our most active social engagement group. What we're doing is um, providing opportunities for seniors to socialize. Uh, we do things that you've heard of all your life, but let's do lunch. Uh, in Tarrant County, they do lunch on every Tuesday and Thursday in different areas of Tarrant County. And we have anywhere from five to 15 people at every time we do let's do lunch there that just nice. get out. If the seniors can't get out by themselves, we go after them and bring them to the let's do lunch. Uh, we provide all kinds of social activities, whether it be um, a Valentine's dance or a um, mm -hmm. we do a seminar on how to how to navigate through Social Security how to navigate through Medicare uh, so we're trying to reach out and provide social opportunities along with educational opportunities for people that have isolated themselves and we get people in the community to identify them we engage with them we will go get them we'll do whatever we need to do to get them um, active and out because we all know that the more social we are, the better chance we have of living a quality life. Oh man, that is so true because, uh, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about the whole topic of isolation. Um, I was actually listening to an episode this morning on Good Morning America, and they were talking about one of the number one reasons for death of uh, people, and they said especially women over the age of 60, is isolation. Absolutely. And so that's why it is so important for us all to have that social connection 
and that network that you're talking about. And, uh, and that's why it's so important for us all there again, getting back to no matter our race, religion, uh, sexual orientation, you know, to respect each other and to embrace each other. Because, you know, once, once it comes down to it, we all want the same things in life, right? That we want to be loved. Uh, you know, we want to be made to feel relevant. And, uh, and so I think it's so important what you guys are doing. And I'm so excited to have you all as part of the, of the Take Flight initiative. And, uh, and I think that everything you share today has helped our listeners uh, to know that there, there is something, you know, we all have our, our common areas, but there is something a little bit deeper um, that, uh, you know, the LGBT community faces. But yet, what you said is that the larger community, when it does come to us aging, they're willing to embrace us, you know, mm -hmm. with these retirement communities. So uh, it comes back to that is a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm so glad that you were able to share with us that we don't want to be separated. Everybody wants to come together. You know, I think that, uh, you know, that brings us full circle to that's a beautiful thing and nobody should feel uh, isolated or feel invisible. You know, I I, I'm such a firm believer in we're all connected and yes. that connectivity creates a need for understanding and love. And if we allow ourselves to be open to just the love that is out there and respect each other, uh, living together with the differences that we bring is magical. Uh, and it, it creates exactly. a, an opportunity even for us as we age to learn and grow and um, all of us don't want to stop growing and learning and bringing that together as we age is is a beautiful thing because we get an opportunity to to embrace newness around us and so i'm hoping that that's where we all get to go and be together and i love this initiative that you're working on to bring that to fruition because that's that's what it's all about is learning to love each other and be together and enjoy each other. That's right. That's right. So uh, with that said, we're going to have you taking flight with this Miss Carolyn Roney. I love it. Love it. Love it. You know, uh, look at you. She's perking up you guys. So uh, <laughs> what I do want to do is before we do um, log off of our conversation, do you have anything else you want to share with the people? And also I want you to tell everybody, uh, our listeners, how they can connect with you, um, if they have any additional questions for you. Um, I guess in closing, I'd like to say you can you can reach us anytime on our website, which is www.cfa.lgbt. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Please go out and like us. It's called the Coalition for Aging LGBT. Like us and follow us. Uh, we're always putting out uh, activities that we're doing. Our most current activity that we're working on right now is with the WNBA. Nice. Uh, it's called Celebrity Serve, and the Wings have worked with us for two previous years to create a, a really wonderful evening of uh, integrating women's basketball with um, seniors and having a, a, a magnificent time and raising a little money for our organization. Mm. Um, so we're working on that. 
as I mentioned before, we're working on um, the housing guide and bringing in hospice and home health organizations. So those are our two biggest initiatives right now. Those are all great initiatives. So do you guys have a date on the WNBA uh, event yet? or uh, We have not because we, have, we do it during Pride Week. And so the WNBA okay. hasn't designated what week that's going to be yet. <laughs> So as soon as they designate okay, well, at their game. You let us know. We'll make sure that we get the word out for you guys, okay? Great. Thank you. All right. All right. Now, I have a question for you. Before you do uh, leave us, we like to ask our guests uh, what they're going to do or what you plan on doing to catch the updraft, you know, to take flight and to live your best life moving forward. So, you know, updraft is propelling forward, propelling up. So you, Miss Carolyn Roney, what do you plan on doing to catch the updraft? As you know, I just moved out of the city to Cedar Creek Lake and living the great lake life now. Yes. So um, my goal right now is to really uh, create a space for myself that is peaceful mm -hmm. and welcoming and um, embraces community. Nice. And so personally, that's really where I'm taking flight is moving to the lake and getting out of uh, corporate America and the rat race of city life and enjoying the peacefulness and the spirituality that I feel um, living in a much calmer, slow-paced environment. So that's what I'm doing personally. Um, professionally, I'm still working with several boards uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and do a lot of it through Zoom. Um, I want to continue with the Coalition for Aging and um, I don't think I'm, the advocacy part is ever going to be out of me at some point. <laughs> I keep getting involved in something. It's in your DNA. It's just <laughs> makeup. <laughs> so, yes, um, I've already gotten involved with um, an organization out at the lake called MAGS, which is the um, um, homeless shelter out there and working with them on oh, wow. the food. Um, so I, I know that it's always going to be a part of me is to to work with community and, and make it, try to make a difference. Talking about creating that impact and that is a great way to catch the updraft. So, well, hon, it has been a delight to have you on today, Miss Carolyn. I want to thank you for being with us today and uh, just really sharing insights around how we can support each other uh, as we age there again, uh, no matter who we love, you know, we need to support each other. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you for all the work that uh, the coalition is doing there for the LGBT community. And uh, I want to thank you all for being our sponsor today. And I want to remind people that uh, the Coalition for the Aging LGBT, they work with people year round to bring attention and support to initiatives that offer inclusive, effective solutions to the issues facing aging LGBTQ members across North Texas. And they're helping at least 200,000 seniors at this time. If you would like to get involved, more information, you can find that at the email address, which is contact at cfa.lgbt or visit www.cfa.lgbt. And I want to thank you all, our listeners, for being with us today on our 10th episode, yes, double digits, woohoo, of the updraft. If you missed any of our previous episodes, please check them out wherever you usually listen to your podcast and please share with your friends. To learn more about the Live Take Summit events for women age 45 plus, check out our website at www.takeflightsummit.com 
And I promise you don't want to miss out on any of our events. Once again, I'm Lisa Randolph, your host, and I'm looking forward to having you take flight with us in the future. Until then, here's to your holistic wealth, health, and success. Peace and blessings to you. Have a good day.